Let's pray. Lord, I just want to thank you for your blood. Uh, God, if it wasn't for you shedding your blood, there's no reason in being here. There's no reason to meet. There's no reason to live. So, Lord, I just, we're just thankful. As a body of believers, God, we're thankful. And, God, you deserve our worship. And we're thankful that we can come in here and worship you as a body of believers in our hearts. Uh, Father, I pray that tonight as we look into your word, I pray that you would speak to hearts and you would change hearts and that your word would pierce our heart, God. It wouldn't be me up here talking, Lord. It would, it would be your word penetrating everybody's heart and that we would listen, God. We who have ears, we want to listen, God. We who have eyes, God, we want to see what your word is saying and we want to live by that. We want our lives to reflect that. So, Lord, I pray you would give us strength where we are weak to live that out. Well, I pray you would give us wisdom where it's hard to understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we've been in this series uh, called Broken Vessels. And, oh, by the way, I know I stink at the game. I mean, it's just hard for me because I'm only funny on accident, not on purpose. You can ask my wife. She only laughs at me when I don't mean for something to be funny. But that's okay. Kenny's way better at it than I am, just like everything else. So, Kenny, you can have the, you know, the top spot in the game. It's fine with me. I don't care. Because you know who's first is last. That's what Jesus said. Anyways, <laughs> so we've been in this, uh, this series called uh, Broken Vessels. And the first week, we were in Mark chapter 8, where, um, where the Pharisees were kind of, they were saying that, you know, you have to wash your hands a certain way. And we took away from that, what we took away from that was, is that they were trying to put their traditions on the same level as God's commandments. And, and we can't go into this world with a list of do's and don'ts. We have to go into this world with grace. And as broken vessels, we go into this world not with a list of do's and don'ts saying you can't do this and you can't do this and this is how it bridges the gap between you and God. We go to the world and say, I'm broken, I messed up, and so do you. We have that in common. And this is how God saved me. He did that through Jesus. So we, we share that grace with them. And, so, and then we went on to the next week, the second week, and uh, we talked about Jesus feeding the 4,000, which was really more like 12,000 because it was only talking about the men. And we saw that when we're going into this world as broken vessels, we go to the world with, uh, with God providing for us. And he uses us. He doesn't just you know, make the food appear in their hands. He, uses, he used the disciples to distribute that food to them. And we need to take pride in that. We need to understand that it's our responsibility for this message to get out. And so when he gives us this bread, we go and take it out and we feed these people. And we understand that he will provide that food. We don't have to make it ourselves. He will provide the words to say. He will provide the opportunities. And we go out and we feed the world with this gospel. And it will always be in an abundance. We will never have to worry about God providing for us when we are going out into this world. And then last week, right before uh, camp, Dawn spoke. And it was the most I had never heard about God's love in this way. Like, it's so hard sometimes for me to understand and grasp God's love, but sometimes people put it in a certain way, that the way they think about it, and it helps me to understand it better. And, and what I heard her say last week was that he loves the parts about you that you don't even love yourself. And, and she just talked and, and about all these things, and, and she basically walked through the gospel before she went into the message. And then in Galatians chapter 1, she was like, if you don't believe anything 
He's just talking about Paul telling his Galatians, don't believe anything, don't believe another gospel besides the one I told you. And that's how important it is. And, and at the very end, it, we uh, saw that Paul was saved just so he could share the message with these Gentiles, and that's us. He, we, we are saved just so we can be a broken vessel just like Paul, who was a murderer. We were saved just so that we can spread this message. We are the means by which this message gets out. This is no other means. And, and what she said was that we are plan A and there is no plan B. And so that really spoke to me, and, and there was a, a perfect ending for this series. But then God said, no, we're not done with this series, even though it's a perfect time for change because we just got back from youth camp, and, you know, this message seems kind of like old news and uh, this series and all that kind of stuff, and we're kind of all focused, but God said no. So we're going to continue to talk about this. So I was reading the Gospel of Mark. And I get to the point in, in Jesus' life where he's, he realizes that it's about time for me to die. It, it, it's about that time. And he starts to think about it. And the more he thinks about it, the more anguish is built up in his heart. And the more he gets, not scared, but he knows what's coming. And, and he's, just, he's just getting anxious about it. And so he goes to this garden, this olive garden. And, yeah, not the restaurant. <laughs> I didn't think about that before I came up here and said it. But he goes to this garden that grows olives, and, and he tells some of his disciples, just a few of them, to come with him. And he said, I need y'all to pray while I go over here because I'm, so, I'm such in anguish right now that I could possibly die from how fearful I am right now. So they sit there, and they pray. Well, they try to pray. They end up falling asleep. But then he goes over here in the garden. He starts praying. So, and he, and he's, he's in such fear of the moment that he's sweating drops of blood because of the, you know, y'all heard the scientific stuff behind it where like the capillaries bust. And so it's not really that he's sweating blood. It's just that blood's coming out of his pores All because he's in such anguish about it. And he's saying, God, if there's any other way for you being perfect could be mended with these imperfect people. If there's any other way, could you please make that happen? Because I know that the consequence of sin is death, and, and, and I understand that the, that the Old Testament has always talked about me dying, but if there's any other way, can you please let it pass? Now, you let this cup pass from me. That's what he says. And then he understands that that's not going to happen. And so he says, but look, it's not what I want to be done. It's, it's what you want to be done. And God, I will do that. I will do whatever it takes to let these people know you. And I will do whatever it takes to, to mend that relationship, to bridge that gap that we have created with our sin. And so he goes, he gets up and goes to his boys. And then he sees, he says, y'all get up, y'all get up. My time is at hand. The, the, the people are coming. And so it's Judas leading, uh, you know, like a, a thing of troops. And, and, and they're coming for him. And what does Peter do? This guy named Peter, he's a disciple, you know, y'all know him. He gets a sword and cuts a dude's ear off. And Jesus, knowing the situation, knowing what he's about to endure, he just says, you know, stop. So he picks the dude's ear up and heals him, puts it back on his head and says, who are y'all looking for? And they're like, uh, uh, Jesus of Nazarene. And so what happened is, is they just... They asked him, you know, we're looking for this person, and he says, I am he. And because he said that, they all fall back. Every single one of them fell down on the ground because he said, I am he. And in the Bible, it is capitalized, I am he. All the letters are capitalized. 
Just like in the Old Testament, when, when Moses was being sent, he was like, well, God, who, who do I tell them who sent me? And he says, tell them I am sent you. And so Jesus, at that moment, they knew what he was talking about. And when he said, I am he, they felt that. They felt that he said, I am God. And they felt God in their presence. They fell back on their backs. But they get back up again. He says, are you seeking me? And they said, yes. And he said, well, then let these go. Let these men go and take me. And so Jesus willingly gives himself up for a rest. And so you got to think, he, he's, he's anxious right now. He, he knows what's about to happen, and all of a sudden it's here. It's that moment. It's that moment for him to go to the cross. He knows that it's happening. It has already started. You can't stop it now. So he gets, goes on trial. And, well, he actually goes back to the high priest's house. And they start asking him these questions. And in every question and every accusation they ask him, he doesn't say a word. He's silent. But then at the very end it says, are you the son of the blessed one? Are you the son of God? And he says, I am. And that's crazy because that's the only thing. Kenny said this one time, and it has always stuck with me, is the only thing that he could have said that was the truth but it was so powerful enough that it would get him killed. It was the only thing that he could say that was truth and could get him killed because him claiming to be God, that was considered blasphemy. By, you know, I don't know why they didn't believe him, but they didn't. And they, and, and they said, well, we're going to kill you. And that's where we pick up in our story in Mark chapter uh, 14. So after they said that, they basically started beating him. At that moment, that's when, the, that's when the beatings and all these things happened. These things that were considered suffering, that's when these things started happening. And we get a, a good look inside the life of a man named Peter. You see, whenever he said, I am he, and gave himself up for arrest. This man named Peter, the same guy who cut this dude's ear off, you know, the strong one, the one, the one that was going to come through, the one that wasn't going to deny Jesus, the one that was going to follow Jesus even to the death, that's what he was going to do. He was so confident in his ability to, to follow Jesus that he was going to do whatever it took. But when Jesus delivered himself over to be arrested, this man started following at a distance, just, you know, watching to see what happened. And then he stood next to this fire to warm up. And at that moment... That's where we pick up. It says, Meanwhile, Peter was in the courtyard below. One of the servant girls who worked for the high priest came by and noticed Peter warming himself at the fire. She looked at him closely and said, You were one of those with Jesus of Nazareth. But Peter denied it. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. And he went out to the entryway. Just then a rooster crowed. When the servant girl saw him standing there, she began telling the others, This man is definitely one of them. But Peter denied it again. A little later, some of the other bystanders confronted Peter and said, you must be one of them because you're a Galilean. Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know this man you're talking about. And immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times, or you deny three times that you even know me. And he broke down and wept. 
So we have this man who's extremely confident in his ability to follow Jesus. And he told Jesus, I will not deny you. I will, I will follow you even to, to my death. And right here we see a weak moment in his life. And I know you have heard this story a million gajillion times. I know it. But I know that we're looking at this series called Broken Vessels. And I come across this and I, I see, I'm like, God, I, I don't know if I'm really telling the truth there. I know that I've been telling these people exactly what you want me to say. And I'm trying so hard. And, and I want to convey this, this message of we're broken people and, and you forgive us of our sins. And we're going out to this world full of sinners and you can forgive their sins. And you can give them peace just like you give me peace. But God, how do I, how do I make a, you know, amends to this situation where I, I'm constantly failing every day. And God, I don't, I don't see this proof. God, I need to see proof that you can actually use me even though I'm a broken vessel, that you can actually take this living water in a broken vessel. I need to actually see it. And then bam, Peter denies Jesus Christ right there three times in a row. I don't know about you, but I feel like that if I'm in Africa somewhere and, and they, they say, hey, do you know Jesus? If so, I'm going to kill you. I feel like at this moment that I, I, I want to be that guy that says, yes, I do know him and I will not deny him. I want to be that guy. And, and I, I think that if I was in that moment, I know God would give me the strength to be that guy. But here's the thing. This is proof that we are broken vessels and we can carry this living water. This is proof that we're all screw-ups. This is proof that we don't follow all the rules. This is proof that we are messed up from the toe to the head. We are screwed up people. This is proof that, that we can actually carry this message out into the world. You know why? Because we can relate. We can say we are weak. We can say, oh, you're a sinner? Me too. And you know what? I, I'm, I was separated from God, but now I'm not because he put this man Jesus in that gap. That gap that I created for myself, this man Jesus, he took my punishment. You see, I was supposed to get punished for the sin, for the bad, and all that kind of stuff. And, and you know what? He, he did that for me. He took that punishment. And this is what happened. He, he died. He willingly gave himself over to these people to be beaten. This is proof, you guys. This is proof. You know why? Because we read in Acts how, how he went into this world and, and no matter whether he, he was getting beat or, or you know, slashed with a whip or whatever it was or put in jail, he was still preaching the gospel. He went out and people were being saved because he was sharing the word. He's performing miracles. God used this man. And he's the one who denied him three times. We don't hear about the other disciples. Some of the disciples that just don't get mentioned. Not saying they're not important, but some of them just don't get mentioned after this point. But God specifically put this in His Word, the fact that this man denied Him three times and was still used. That's some good news. That's extremely good news for me, especially. I feel like in my mind, I'm like, God, I just don't know how I'm supposed to tell these people that, that their life should be different. I just don't know how I'm supposed to do that when my life is so screwed up myself. I, I, just, I just don't know how to tell these people what well, God provides. God provides the strength. God will provide your words. And he says in his word that he will use us. But this is proof. This is rock solid. We don't have to question anymore. We don't have to say, well, where does it say that in the Bible? It's right there in Mark chapter 14 and plenty of other places. But this is just such a good example that we are just broken vessels carrying this living water. 
which is crazy to think about, but so is our lives being used as a means to share such a perfect gospel. We are broken sharing a non-broken story. And that's crazy to think about, but that's only one side of the story. You see, tonight, maybe, maybe just tonight, maybe this is not like a general truth, but maybe, maybe just tonight, I'm not really sure why God put this message in my heart, but, but He did, so I'm, I'm going to say it. Tonight, I think there's two people represented in this room, and I think that we have broken vessels and then another group of people that after Peter denied him three times, Jesus was taken the next morning, he was taken to uh, the governor named Pilate. And so they put him on a trial. This wasn't just him at the high priest house, you know, getting, getting dogged on, getting, getting spit on and punched. Okay, this man is literally on trial now. See, that, that's crazy. He had to spend the night with that kind of anguish in his heart. Y'all just think about the, some of the nights you've had where it was just so painful and you just and you couldn't get it off your mind and you wanted to wait, you wanted to see the result of something. What, I don't know what it is, but you just feel anxious and you can't sleep. Imagine Jesus right here. The man was sweating blood. The man was, was on the verge of death just because he was such in, in such anguish. And he had to spend the night that way. And he knew that he was going to die. So the next morning he is brought to Pilate. And he gets put on trial. And they have this, this thing that they do in, in the Jewish culture or whatever, some kind of law that they follow, that each year they can release a prisoner. I'm not really sure why. I don't really, it's not, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's like, yeah, let's just, yeah, for the heck of it, let's just release somebody who was a murderer, you know. But so they, really, they, they have it, you know, this choice between Jesus and a guy named Barabbas. And this guy named Barabbas was a thief and he was a murderer and he led this, this resolution or whatever. He's a re- revolutionary, really. That's what they call him or whatever. But they have a choice. And it was like, Pilate said, I, I, don't, see, I don't see what's going on here. Why do y'all want to crucify this man? And so they just started piling on these false witnesses. And they was just like, well, well he did this, and, and he said this, and blah, blah, blah. Well, he said that he was going to tear down the, the temple and build it back in three days without uh, any man's help. That he was just going to be there, and he was going to do it. And so they just started piling on these, these false witnesses, and they were like, no, nah, that makes sense, because, you know, our law is supposed, to say, is, is supposed to be where one man says something and another man comes behind him and says the same exact thing. So you have to have two witnesses who have the same exact story to, to be able to condemn a man or whatever. So they finally ask him, you know, before they ask him, are you the Son of God? And he says, I am he. And then... The next day, they asked him, or they was like, well, he claims to be the king of the Jews. And then so Pilate says, are you the king of the Jews? He said, you said it. That any other time, every other question, every other accusation, he doesn't say a word. But he says, I am the king of the Jews. 
And so the crowd just starts chanting, and they start getting louder and louder and louder, and more people are joining in, and, and the jealousy and the envy of Jesus and the high priest's eyes is just rising and rising and rising. And then Pilate just gives in and says, you know what, I'm just going to put a pacifier in your mouth, and I'm going to say that we're going to release Barabbas, and what we're going to do is going to crucify Jesus. Because they were just like, crucify him, crucify him. And they were just like, why, why? It's going back and forth. Okay, you can have Barabbas, the murderer, the thief. He can be set free. And then we're going to crucify Jesus. So what he did do is he ordered him to be flogged with a lead-tipped whip. And so Jesus gets sent out to get flogged, to get beaten. And that's where we come to the next part of our story. In chapter 15 of Mark, starting in verse 16, it says, The soldiers took Jesus into the courtyard of the governor's headquarters, called the Praetorium, and called out the entire regiment. They dressed him in a purple robe, and they wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head. Then they saluted him and taunted, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him on the head with a reed stick, spit on him, and dropped to their knees in mock worship. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him again. Then they led him away to be crucified. So, basically, what we have here is since he said, I am the king of the Jews, they decided to get all the Roman soldiers who were stationed in Jerusalem at that point All of them who weren't on duty at that time, the regiment that it said, were to come and basically do like a mock coronation of Jesus being the king of the Jews. So they put a purple robe on him to symbolize that he was royalty. Then they wove a crown of thorns. Y'all have heard this before. They wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head for a crown. Then they took the stick of a reed that y'all see like, uh, like in marshes and like swamps and stuff, those really tall, like wavy plants. Well, the, the sticks of those are like hollow. And if you've ever been whooped by a switch, then this is about what it would feel like, just a little bit longer, a little bit thicker, more like a stick and less like a, a, a whip. And so they took that, and they basically used it as one of those things that, you know, you see the movies, they have the sword, and they do the shoulder thing. They basically used it as one of those kind of things. They, they shoved the thorns in his skull and in his brow. They put that robe on him to mock and say, oh, you think you're the king of the Jews. Then they spit in his face and they slapped him across the face with the reed. And they're... They got down on their knees and started bowing at him and says, Oh, hell, king of the Jews. Just feel the hatred that they have toward this man for claiming that he is God and that he is the king of the Jews and has done nothing but heal people. He, he made the blind see. He gave the people who were hungry food. He forgave those who needed forgiving. He gave water to those who were thirsty. He did so many things. He came as as a king, but he was a servant. He was a servant to all. He washed the disciples' feet. 
when they should have been washing his. Just because they didn't look, he didn't look like what they wanted a king to look like. He, he didn't come to deliver them from the Romans like, like we talked about a couple of Sundays ago. He came to deliver them from their sin. They, this Messiah, this king of the Jews was not who they wanted. It's not what they thought the king of the Jews would look like. And so their envy, their jealousy, everything about them was like, this man is telling me what I'm doing is wrong. All that was building up. And they decided to do a mock coronation or a coronation of him being the king. And there's like 300 plus people there doing it. Spitting in his face, slapping him, punching him. Doing all this stuff. And the crazy thing is, is we never picture ourselves being that person. We never picture, we, we want to picture ourselves as, as Peter. We want, we, you know, we want, you know, we denied him, but you know what? We, we're going to be the rock that the church is built on. We're, we're going to do this thing. And that's that is good. You should feel that way. That is, that is a good thing, and you should feel that motivation built up in your heart just so you can go out of here and tell the world about Jesus and do it with strength, do it with dignity, and do it knowing that you are forgiven. But the thing is that there's two people represented here. And I think that some of these mockers in this story can be represented by some of the lives in here. And I say that, I promise you, I say that with the heaviest heart, and I don't want to say it, and I, I don't want to just talk about, you know, someone not living their life right. I, that's not my goal. I don't, I don't want to just shut you down. If you feel like you're that person, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is what Kenny said not so long ago, here lately, things have just been sticking with me like crazy. I don't know what it is. But he said that if you claim, no, excuse me, he said, if sin doesn't bother you, then you're not a Christian. And I, I thought about that. I, just, I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it because I, I don't want to just say, I, I know he thinks about these things before he comes up here and says, I know that he says them because God wanted him to. And I'm not saying he's perfect. And I'm sure he said things that God didn't want him to say before. But I know that, that when he said that, that was such a strong statement. I know that when he said that, he thought about it. And I, I feel like God told him to say that. But he said that. And the more I thought about it, the more I felt like it was true. Because I, I just find it impossible to live a life with just only regards to myself and, and what feels good to me right here, right now, whether it's, whether it's you know, doing drugs or, or drinking alcohol or even, even on a smaller level just you know, lying to get your way out of things or, or lying to you know, put yourself up higher in, in this world or, or just thinking constantly about, well, how much money am I going to make? I just start to think about these, these things, whether, whether they're small or whether they're big, and I start to think, well, if I live for myself, Oh my goodness, like, I couldn't do it. It would just be impossible. I'm not saying that I haven't committed a sin before and thought, to, you know, and, and said, I don't really, I, I kind of want to keep doing this sin because it, it's more fun than the other ones or, or whatever. And it took me a while to really, to let it resonate in my heart that what I was doing was wrong and then I repented of it. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that if sin doesn't bother you, 
then you don't know Jesus. If sin doesn't bother you to the point of repentance, then you don't know Jesus. Because I know there's plenty of people out there who never heard the name of Jesus and they feel bad for murdering somebody. It bothers them if they murdered somebody. And I know plenty of, plenty of little kids who have never heard about Jesus. I know that when they say a cuss word, I know it just feels weird to them. You know, I just said a cuss word. I feel bad for it. I know, and if they steal from a gas station just a little tiny piece of gum, I know that they feel bad for it. But if sin doesn't bother you to the point of repentance where you turn from that sin, then it's likely that you don't know Jesus at all because that is what Jesus is about. Jesus is about you turning from this world and turning to Him because it's what's best for you. It's, it, it's, it's forgiveness. It's saying, I don't want this life anymore, God. I want you. I, I want to be your broken vessel. And then a step further is if you claim to be that Christian, if you claim to be the, the one who turns away from their sin and turns toward God, yet you still live for yourself, and, and, and that, that defines you. What, what we just talked about defines you where your, your sin does not bother you. I'm telling you, if you can live a sexually immoral lifestyle and it not bother you, there's something wrong. And I'm telling you, if you can, if you can get drunk on occasion and, and, and it not bother you and you just continue to live that lifestyle, you, you're, you're doing something wrong. There's, there's something not right in here. I'm not saying you're just a terrible human being. I'm saying there's something not right in here. And I'm saying that if you can continue to lie and tell yourself things that aren't true and tell other people things that aren't true and, and just continue to live for yourself and live for your own pleasure, there's something wrong in here. And I'm saying that if you claim to be a Christian and live that lifestyle, then you're mocking the name of Jesus. You're that mocker. Because what happens is, is you come in here and you, and you claim Jesus and, and, and you put Him on your fake throne. You, you, you weave Him a, a crown, but it's not a crown that, that you place on His saying, God, you're the king of my life. It's a crown of thorns and you say, God, you're, you're only the king while I'm here at church and you're only the king when I need you. And when we get on our knees when we come into church and, and we, we offer Him our fake worship and say, all hail King of the Jews, all hail Jesus, you're, you're so great and you're so wonderful. And we leave here and we leave, we leave here without Him going with us. We don't have Him in our heart. And, and what we do is when we, we raise our hands in worship and we don't mean it, I'm not saying you shouldn't raise your hands in worship just to see what it's like because you've never done that before. I, I did that too, just like Kenny's story about raising his hands. I'm not saying that. If you feel like God is just so awesome and you just want to raise your, and you just want to raise your hands, but you know you're not a Christian in your heart, that's fine too. I don't care. But I'm saying if you're offering him your fake worship, you're putting him in a fake number one spot here. Because we talk about Jesus needs to be your everything. Jesus needs to be your all. That's not a requirement, you guys. Just to, just to be a human being, that's not a requirement. We're just saying if, he, if you are saved, then He will be number one. So when you put Him in that fake number one spot, you offer Him your fake worship, and you put a fake crown on His head, you are a mocker, and you're spitting in His face when you come in here and you sing His songs and you listen to His Word being preached, and you go out there and you don't carry Him in here, you're mocking Him. You're mocking the name of Jesus because you know what He did? He died for you. We just talked about how that anguish, all, all that fear in His heart, and He's saying, God, if there's any other way, you see what He did. 
You see how far He was willing to go to offer salvation to the individual. You see how far He was willing to go when He had you on His mind when He was going to the cross, which was so heavy that He couldn't carry it Himself, and He just got beaten to the point where He couldn't carry it. He was so weak, He was not recognizable. You see the point to which He went that, so He could save you. And what, we, what do we do? We mock Him. We put Him on a fake number one spot, you know, the, the fake throne in our heart, and it's not, it's not good. It's not good. That's not, that's not good at all. So we, we look at that and we say, Jesus, you can't have all of me. Why not? Do you see what he did? Do you see how far he was willing to go for the individual? And we, we act like he's number one here and we go out there. We go on mission trips without Jesus in our heart just so we can meet a physical need. What's that going to do? We don't even remember what we ate for lunch yesterday. Why would we, feed, why would we risk our lives to feed somebody? It's much more important than that. It's much more long-term than a meal. It's much more long-term than offering water. That should be the means to which we share the gospel, but the gospel is the meat. That's the bread we're carrying. It's not about meeting a temporal need. It's about meeting that spiritual need. It's that hope that they need. It's the hope that the people across the street need. It's the hope the people in Mississippi and in Africa and in Antarctica, if there's anybody there. Yeah. But I'm saying, if that is you, you're mocking Jesus. And, and I hate to say it, like I, I really do, because I know... I know, I know people that come here that do that. And I, I can read them like the back of my hand. I, I'm, I'm not saying I, I know that their life and, and their heart, I can't, I can't see exactly what's going on in their heart, but I, their actions are portraying these people, these mockers. Their actions are portraying that their heart is not changed by Jesus Christ. Their actions are portraying that they're more concerned about self. And, and I'm, not, I'm not mad at these people. I'm not, I'm not saying that they're, they're lower or that we should judge them or we should just like kick them out. Yes, there's discipline involved in that. And, and we, should, we should talk to these people about it and be like, look, man, what's going on? And if they continue to just live their life for themselves, then yeah, there, there, there could be calls to just say, look, man, you're either in or you're out. But I'm not saying these people are lower. I'm saying I know of some in here. And, it, and it, 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 there's, I don't know every one of them in here. I don't really care to just go investigating because it's not my business. I'm not really just in here to be like, who's, you know, who's in and who's out. That's not me. You know? I'm just, that's not our job. But what I'm saying, it breaks my heart to know that some of us in here are, are struggling with this and, 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 and mocking the name of Jesus. And, it's, and the thing is, is the, the people that, that, are, that are doing that particular thing, y'all know it. Y'all know that, that you're being that way. You're, you're not just a broken vessel, someone who makes mistakes. You're someone living for self, someone mocking the name of Jesus. It, it, there's a difference. And the, the takeaway from this, and just something that, I mean, just to narrow this all up, there's a difference between a broken vessel and a mocker. 
Although sometimes they, they look the same. We, we, can't, we can't necessarily see Peter's heart for the gospel in this in him denying Jesus. Because it doesn't just... He, he wept when he, when he finally figured out that, that Jesus was telling the truth and he said he was going to deny him. We see that he cried. We can't really see the, the fruits of what, what Peter did after the fact. And he looks very similar to the people who, who were who are beating Jesus and spitting in His face. But they're different. The mockers are not just people who make mistakes. They're, they're, they set out for a life of self. And what pleases me right here, right now, and, and, and I know we talk about that as, well, it pleases me, so I'll do it. And then, like, that's not how we think. I mean, if I'm living for self, that's not how I'm thinking. I'm thinking that what's best for me, and it's, it's more of a survival thing, more like a, I'm just trying to make it kind of thing. But the thing about, think about these mockers, the thing about those, these, these people who know the gospel, and, and they, they've heard it, and they're ignoring it, uh, and, and they're, not, they're not letting it just completely take over their heart, these, these people that are doing that. They, they know what they should be doing, and they, they know that they should let their heart be changed by the gospel, but instead they want to do the easy thing, and, and they want to say that my heart is changed by the gospel, and you can't judge my heart. I'm struggling with this or that right now, but in, in their mind they're doing the easy thing. They're, they're doing the thing of least resistance, which is what they do when they follow self. They're, they're doing the thing of least resistance. What's going to get me by? What's going to make me feel the best? What's going to be most beneficial to me, which is normal? That's human. But what I'm saying is, is that you can't ignore it forever. And, and, and you know what? You can't, you can't go out into this world and, and mock the name of Jesus. And you can't come in here. It's not good, you guys. You can't come in here and, and raise your hands in worship and not really meet it in here. You can't do that. That is so wrong. After, after we, we see what Jesus did and we offer Him our fake worship, how much sense does that make? It's not good. And I know that my words won't change your heart, but I know that if you let those words, if you let God's word sink into your heart, you realize who you are. And there's good news because the Roman soldier who put Jesus on the cross and he saw what Jesus did, he saw that he turned away from the wine that they offered him. And he saw that the thieves right next to him, he saw these things, and he saw all the beatings, he saw all that, and yet he killed him. Yet he put him on that cross and just left him there. And when he died, he realized that he just killed the Son of God. And it doesn't necessarily say that his heart was changed and that he was saved and that from, now, you know, from, from that point on he was bound for heaven. I can't say that for sure. But I know that somehow that seed was planted and his heart was on the verge of being changed. And I'm telling you that there's good news. And I'm telling you that there's, there's good news for the Christian who is a broken vessel carrying this living water. And there's good news for the person who hasn't been meaning their worship and put Jesus on their fake throne. But I'm saying there's a difference. And I believe God's word is challenging us tonight to look inside of ourselves and see whether we're just a broken vessel carrying living water 
or see whether we're mocking the name of Jesus by living our lives for ourselves. And there's no shame in that. Because when you go to Jesus, you go to Him with your shame. You take it with you. Take your guilt with you. Take all of your sins with you when you go to Him. Because you know what? He forgives you and He relieves you. He takes that guilt and that pressure off of you. All that guilt and that pressure and that shame that you're carrying around with you now because you know that you've been mocking the name of Jesus. When you go to Him, He's going to take that away. He's going to give you a clean slate. He's going to make you new. You no longer have to be that person. And you know what? That just makes you an even better broken vessel because you can go to somebody and say, I used to be that. I spit in the face of Jesus. I created that crown of thorns. I bowed to Him in false worship, in my fake worship to Him. And you know what? He saved me. And you know what? He can save you too, no matter what you've done. And He can change your heart from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. He can do that. He's that powerful. So what about you? Who are you in this story? Who are you? Father, God, it was it's crazy to see see for myself just how much you went through, Lord, for me and for every individual. And it's crazy to see for myself that your sacrifice, the punishment you took that we were deserved, that we deserved, it's crazy that it's offered to everybody. God, it's amazing that you love even those who spit in your face and who bow down to you in fake worship. Lord, I pray for, for the hearts in here tonight. God, if, if they're a broken vessel, God, and they're, they're just trying to share the gospel with the world, God, whether it's their, their co-worker, whatever it may be, they're just trying to glorify you with their life and, and they can't seem to get past all the mistakes they've made. Lord, I pray that we would do what we would learned about Sunday and not look behind but look forward and we would see that you were there. You're at the end of the race, God, and, and you're going to give us strength to endure, God. You're going to give us wisdom to understand the things that we don't. God, you're going to give us the words. And God, I pray that you would just help us understand that, that we will always make mistakes, but Lord, it, it's about our heart. And as, if our heart is turned to you and away from our sin, God, that's where you want it to be. And that you will clean us up, God. You will continue to make us more perfect. And God, at the end of this race, God, we will be like you. God, we will be like gold refined by fire. God, we will be like you. We will be perfect in your eyes, God. We are because of your sacrifice, because of our faith in you. And God, I also pray for the mocker that's sitting in this room, God, and they know they are. God, I pray they wouldn't be ashamed. 
God, I pray that they wouldn't feel like they couldn't come to you because they spit in your face before. And God, I pray that they, they wouldn't feel bad for, for putting that crown of thorns in your head, God. They, they, would, they would come to you and say, God, I just want to take that, that crown off and put, it, put on your real crown, Lord. And I want to give you my shame and I, I want to come to you with my guilt because, God, I feel so bad and I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. God, I pray that that person here God, I pray that they would offer their heart to you so that you can change it, so that you can give it peace, so that you can comfort it and embrace it like you're their child, like they're your child. Lord, I, I, I just pray that, that, that your Holy Spirit would convict hearts tonight, Lord, in such a graceful way, Lord, we would be able to feel your grace and feel your love, just like we see in this story, God. You did, You were silent when you were on trial because you didn't want, you, you knew that you were going to die. You, God, you wanted to die for us. God, you were willing to give up your life for us. God, I pray that that love would just penetrate our hearts and penetrate our lives so much so that we are able to take it to the rest of this world, whether it costs us our life or not. Father, thank you for dying for us. God, I ask these these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.